Welcome to Good Looking Out, episode number 32, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. So, Santos. What's up, man? Guess what I did this weekend? What? I woke up at the crack of dawn. I put on full face paint. <laughs> a... Um, Chainmail cowl, uh, like full set of chainmail, like all over my chest, dude. Leather bracers, um, <laughs> like a God. a tunic sort of thing, uh, sword and shield, and I went out and did a full day larping session. Oh, right by the house here in Kenwood Park. So, oh my God, oh my God. So, what kind of <laughs> I got a lot of questions. Jeez, I don't even know where to start. So, um, with other who, who else? It was uh, 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 for middle school kids for my dot for Helen and Vivian's school. Okay, so they weren't technically old enough to participate, but because I was one of the parents who was helping organizing it, they were given like smaller roles in it. And Nicole actually was in it as well. Nicole ran the quote-unquote tavern, which was this area we set up for the kids to get food and water and to kind of like rest and take a break. Okay. Um, And we served lunch there because it started at like – I was like not one of the heroes. I was one of the bad guys. I was a villain. Actually, I was a death knight, which is why I had like black and – white paint all over my face so i looked like a member of the undead cool um and uh chain this was like legit legit chain mail at the the end of the day i was like my legs were exhausted from like carrying around this extra like 40 pounds or whatever all day long around my chest yeah i ordered it all on amazon i've been traveling so much like i didn't have time to make my own costume so i just like Threw money at that problem. Right. And or like, is this available on Prime? Yep, Prime, Prime, Prime. Yes. Like, what? What? I got these like spiky black like leather shoulder pads to like wear over the chainmail. I mean, it was like a legit, oh legitimately. God. I have to say, especially for being thrown together at the last minute, it was a legitimately awesome LARPing. Co- like everyone was like, "Whoa, really? You went all out? Did you have like a foam sword? Uh yes, I had a foam sword, but it looked real." Um, and that, it was like courtesy black of Amazon, and, black and great courtesy of Amazon. Dude, I mean, LARPing has become big business, you know, it's Jesus. become like such a thing. I mean, the people that are really into it, this is the first time I've ever done it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, I mean, we used to like run around with ninja swords as kids and like oh, yeah. play and do all sorts of stuff. There was like no formal name and hobby or groups of people doing this, you know, right. we were just like six or seven kids who are really into trying D- to hurt D&D, each other trying to whack each other with like yeah yeah wooden swords or whatever <laughs> right so we didn't call it anything or we didn't like come up with stories or adventures we just wanted to fight right right um, yeah and it was like kind of like a weird cross between D and like ninja related stuff because it was like the 80s when all those ninja movies were coming out and oh yeah you yeah know, like you're all over that all that stuff yeah for sure um so, but now LARPing is like, it's a big thing. Like it's, it feels like it becomes a, like slightly ticks slightly more mainstream every year. And people that you wouldn't necessarily think are into it, um, are actually into it. Like a lot of the, like LARPing YouTube influencers, you'd look and say like, that's like, that girl is like one of the pretty popular girls in a high school, but no, yeah. she's actually at LARPing. Right. So, right. It's totally true. And I've seen like. Have you seen um, – I, I think I've told you this before. Like I went – I've gone – I'm obsessed with watching the LARPing 
documentaries. Mm. And yeah, there's some really good ones. Really good. And I love watching the LARPing tutorials about how to make weapons. I fucking love those because oh, those right. guys nerd out for hours on those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also a whole bunch – I think there's like three or four different series, like YouTube series about like groups of people that do LARPing. So there's characters – Right. There are like year long storylines that play out sometimes like as long as a decade. So the way it normally happens and actually like our session should have maybe been designed like this where there's usually like there's like a side of orcs and a side of humans and they battle over some sort of like everyone is playing all the time. And the way this was like there were a set of kids who it was a charity thing to raise funds for the school. So there was a set of kids who paid to be like the heroes and there were other kids who paid to be like supporting characters and they paid like a different amount of money for the day or whatever. Okay. So there was a lot of like, I as the death knight, like went and waited at this like place in the woods for the first encounter or whatever. So there was a lot of like sitting around, which wasn't necessarily bad for me as, as an adult, but for these other like fourth and fifth grade boys or whatever, they were like, uh, I'm oh. tired of waiting. Yeah. And like if if I if I had it to do over again and I wasn't the one who was designing this whole thing, I was supporting another dad who was doing it. If I was designing it, I would design it that same way where it's like, okay, you guys are all the elves and you're the orcs and you start on this side of the park and you start on this side and yeah. you're an assassin and it's your specific role is to get behind sneak behind the enemy enemy lines and like kill this specific person and you'd give them like subplot points. But everyone should be playing all the time, and it should be, like, four hours of continuous play or whatever. Yeah, As yeah. As opposed to, like, okay, like, it, it was a linear story. And so things ha- were hinging on something else happening? Things were hinging on something else happening, and it was this really, like, drawn-out plot where I have to say the end to – and this guy who put it together put an enormous amount of work into it, so not to take anything away from him. But – and the end scene was – do you know that – old water tower up on the hill yeah. overlooking Kenwood that looks like an old medieval castle. Yeah, that was where the end battle happened right in front of that thing. Like you couldn't ask for a more sort of it's pretty picturesque cool. like yeah. Oh yeah that's and awesome. The guy who was the so my death night, my motivation was I was getting this like um this orb that was the secret sort of artifact of power that this mayor in this town didn't know of. So I had like these goblin minions who were stealing this orb for me and the heroes were trying to like basically get this orb back the whole time. So they, at one point, um, waylay the goblins and take this orb. I get it from them. And my ultimate goal is to raise this ogre from the dead as like my undead champion. (laughs) And so the guy who played this ogre had these like four foot high, like platform boots that he wore and he was already like a pretty big buff guy and he like had his shirt off and so he was like eight feet tall probably oh no probably even taller like nine and a half feet tall maybe in these things just scaring shit out and of people. he had these two giant battle axes and the kids would not go anywhere near him <laughs> well god i bet yeah so we had to like kind of at that point i had died because i was like the penultimate boss or whatever so we had to kind of like subtly and not so subtly encourage the kids to like no i think you can take him like throw some spells at him and then weaken him and take him down yeah yeah so but it was uh, like you (laughs) couldn't have asked for like a better these kids like if i was a kid at their age this would have blown my mind and made my ear oh yeah we're kids freaking out yeah oh yeah they absolutely loved it the kids that were like and 
the other thing was like the kids who weren't the heroes were like, why didn't I get to be a hero or whatever, which is all the more reason to design it so that everyone is just playing and it's kind totally, of at the same yeah. level. But um, they absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was like a blast. And I was completely exhausted at the end of the It was like 86 degrees or whatever. And I oh, was wearing this hell. chain mail for like the entire day <laughs> and not all this other kind of like leather stuff leather gloves oh, with skulls God. on them and like yeah giant skull on the shield and you yeah know, and you're actually like fighting you're like sword fighting and hitting and but like i had to be really careful not to obviously just whack the crap out of these kids <laughs> that sends someone home with a broken arm <laughs> That'd be good. there's only like one point where one kid went down who had gotten accidentally hit in the face and the rule is like you have to Nothing above the shoulders counts, so no one should be aiming for anyone's head, but people still get hit. And it just happens. It just happens. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just the nature of it. And you pause the game and, like, make sure everyone's okay, and then everyone keeps going. So, anyways, it was super fun. Oh, my um, God. I what have you been it. up to? You I enjoying the nice weather? Fuck yeah, man. Oh, I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. Yeah. I'm loving some baseball. Baseball's kicking in nice right now. The season's in a good, like place watching my team's doing great nice. loving it yeah loving it are they gonna be able to stand up to the cubs oh that's a good question i don't know we'll see i don't know fucking cubs are out of their heads <laughs> monster out of their heads yeah it's unbelievable it's crazy but yeah man it's starting it's feeling like summer like it's i mean it was light out when i left the house at like 8.45. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's nice. Pretty soon it's going to be light to like 9.30 and your kid's going to be like climbing up the walls yeah. at like 9.45 at night because he can't sleep. So, <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, this is um, this is how I like to see a glass of wine pour. Yeah, stiff, nice, stiff pour there. It's a nice fucking pour. Um, yeah, this is a... So I walked into... A, we're going to be discussing, we're going to be uh, talking about cheese, and we've got a flight of cheese we're going to be talking about later in this episode. But when I went tonight to the cheesemonger, the local cheesemonger, to uh, discuss cheese, I walked into the um, wine and liquor part of the store afterwards, and they just had, like, all the rosés just lined up right in the front. And I was like, okay, that's right. It's that time of year. Yeah. It's rosé season. Let's let's get it going. And... uh I love the Pinot Noir rosés, and this is a Pinot uh, Noir rosé from uh, Sonoma. Yeah, this is killer. I've looked at a couple French ones as well, and I was I I started to like I was going to grab like a half dozen, and I that felt a little overzealous, so I just decided to grab one for tonight. You don't see a ton of Pinot Noir not a Sonoma, but you can't beat like you grab like a really good fresh baguette you grab some really good cheese you grab a bottle of rosé you go have a picnic in the park with, with your loved ones with and your... friends and oh my god damn oh yeah you can't that's be living for sure yeah for sure all right man so the other thing uh we decided to talk about tonight was we Decided to introduce the no- notion of a debate topic yeah. into the episodes. And our uh, debate topic for tonight is, which film genre has contributed more to society? Documentary or science fiction? Yeah. Documentaries, obviously. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to... Um, I'm going to have to find fault with that and take the side of science fiction. Yeah. I, Probably no surprise to the regular listener, <laughs> listeners of this podcast, which side of the, the argument we're both falling on here. Yeah. But. No. And 
And I mean, you know, there's the obvious, um, you know, arguments of what, you know, science fiction, especially like these days, shit that was science fiction, you know, it, it's, it has this unbelievable ability to like pretty much like forecast the future. But I mean, it's, is it forecasting or, or is, is it, it helping create it? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, obviously, I think it's actually helping shape. The it future. has to be yeah. right. Um, so what is, I don't want to get too fucking nerdy here. I mean, I'm bound to get fucking nerdy, but like, would you consider, um, the, well, Metropolis is certainly like the first, like full length feature sci-fi movie, at least of note. Right. Yep. But before that, um, what's it called? The shot to the moon or man on the moon or. Um, you know the the animated, yeah, like half animated one. Would that be considered like the first sci fi movie? That's a good question. I, I, you know, I don't know that I've ever bothered to like track down the super early sci fi stuff, just because a lot of it is like so cheesy and campy. Like, yeah, for me, I mean, even the stuff that when we were kids, like, do you remember there was like right when you and I were pretty about like starting to get to movie going age, like where, where your parents would actually take you to the theater or whatever. There was the black hole. Yes. And there was, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what was the other, there was the, well, of course there was star Wars, star um, Wars, yeah. Tron. Yep. Uh, Tron came a few years later, but I, there was one at, that was like concurrent with the black hole. And I'm trying to remember, what it was. Huh. I mean, Buck Rogers TV show obviously was happening. Yeah. In, um, in Star Trek, obviously before that. Yep. Star Trek before that. Um, and I had like, were, were, you know, Star Trek was no longer on the air, but I was like, they, they aired regularly on the weekends. as like reruns. Yep. Um, wisely. Cause they figured a whole new generation of people could be exposed to those. And yeah. Yeah. The original track was right on fairly Fuck influential. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, Star Wars was like Star Wars was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. So Star Wars definitely, obviously, oh, made wow. a huge impression. So, yeah. So I guess, um, honestly, I mean, I totally understand that, and not to like co-opt your argument and assume <laughs> and, assu- and assume that that would right. be. But I mean, that's... No, I, I think like if I was going to give an opening statement, my opening statement would be documentary. Yes, documentary is great because it sheds um, a light on facets of life as it is mm-hmm. that you don't know about. Right. Exactly. And that is like one of the really powerful things about documentary. Documentary has freed wrongfully imprisoned people. Yep. Um, I, but I can't think of any other film genre or any other art form that has had such a profound impact on shaping the way, the potential of the way things can be as science fiction and that's led us into the future in the way that we have. I mean, you have someone like Elon Musk who's watching the Iron Man movie and actually creating interfaces like in almost in real time. Like that was the point where it caught up with real time. And yeah, obviously in the sixties and fifties, sixties, seventies, sci-fi was predicting a lot of the things like the internet and virtual reality and all the things that, that are happening now. Exactly. All of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but and then you have something like Interstellar, who where scientists are like, oh, finally 
We've been trying to, to it like the way that they represented the black holes in that movie was like, oh yes. Like you've just shined a new light for us on like, they're teaching scientists in this film yeah. about the actual shape of black holes. Right. You know, and scientists yeah, yeah. are like, oh, holy shit. There's something about the way you guys represented that that helped us break new ground in thinking about this. It's super cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess what I would argue is that, yeah, you. it's very clear to see, like, how science fiction has, like, pointed us and, like, given inspiration for the smartest people in the world to, like, go. And it's very clear to see, like, what science fiction has led us to. As far as technology goes and all kinds of things. But what I would argue is that documentaries have had a much wider impact on society as a whole. Because very few people, like if you go and you see me, for instance, go and I see Star Trek and I'm like, holy shit, they can just fucking talk in a thing and somebody hears them back. <laughs> at, like it's just like right. just fucking. There's no wire. No, yeah. no wire. Like no nothing. That's amazing. Wonder if we can have that someday. What a crazy thought. That's doesn't do, you know, doesn't do anything for me. But other, if I see a documentary like Hoop Dreams, like that can affect, that can change every single per, every single person that watches that movie can change your life. Is that what prevented you from trying to go into the NBA? That documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it was man. I realized that it, it wasn't going to be for me. <laughs> but seriously, like. Though it can it can impact every single person's life. Agreed. I I totally agree. But yeah, the the technological the forecasting of technology and all those things is just one small facet of sci-fi because there's the um, the morality aspects of sci- that mm-hmm. science fiction plays with as well about the all the stuff about dystopian futures and. Uh, like unraveling how like if you look at most of the science fiction right now and granted now I'm talking about books as opposed to movies but these are the books that will become the movies or they're the things that become shows like The Expanse on sci-fi is about um, squandering of predicting um, futures of squandering of natural resources and predicting futures where we're of how um, human society is going to continue to evolve and structure itself and some of them are cautionary tales about like where our own um, greed and morality and things like that are are leading us. And if you think about things like the Prime Directive and Star Trek and the way that that has led people to think about diplomatic relations and all sorts of stuff like that, I think I think it shapes you know sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. But there's more than just like the forecasting of the technologies of the future and shaping that stuff and what's the imagining of what's possible, but imagining of what's possible in a cautionary tale. Um, but also in, in the, like how we all, our morality needs to evolve to, yeah. um, a future state as well. I think all of that is in play in science fiction and in um, really in the best science fiction. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that is, that's a very good point. Like there, that is, it's a great vehicle for, for ethical issues to play out. Right. I guess I would say that a documentary is equally fertile ground for something like that and is even more relatable because it's happening to real people right in front of you. And it's not – you don't have to make the leap of like, oh, I wonder, you know, maybe that's because in the future they didn't have to worry about 
eating or so they had time to think about that or whatever the fuck like this right. is, like it's you can morality issues are like at the heart of best documentaries right it's that's true. what makes a great documentary yeah. and it's and this is not there's no what ifs this is like this is happening right now or this happened 30 years ago or whatever you know and it's real people this is it you know it's real life yep and it makes you so it makes you think about your own life like very very clearly like a great documentary makes you th- like you're amazed by the story but it immediately brings you back to your life like what am i doing in my life that is you know brother my brother's keeper <laughs> am i sleeping with my brother too much right yeah maybe i am maybe <laughs> maybe i'm sleeping too much with my brother yeah um Yes, yeah, sometimes documentaries are just opening your eyes into how good you fucking have it. That too, yeah. right? And I mean, not to take what you have for granted. That's another huge thing. Capturing the Freedmen's. Yeah. That kind of stuff where. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, a million of them. Harlan County, USA. Like, yeah. those people, like, just oh, struggling geez. constantly. Like, if you can leave a movie theater. And be like, fuck, my life is really good. Like, and I could very easily be in a much shittier situation. That's a fucking, that's worth the price of admission. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll definitely, I think those are good points. And I think, you know, in, like, in this fight, we're both taking a side, but both of us appreciate these genres. But I think, I think where, where sci-fi, once again, trumps documentary, I think for me is that where sci-fi has you reflect upon the entirety of your existence and like your place in the universe and our place in the universe in a way that's like, there's nothing else that prompts you to think in that sort of big picture kind of way. Fuck man. That's true. I mean, if you think of, if you're generous with your description of sci-fi and you think of cosmos. Oh yeah. As sci-fi, which I, I mean, honestly, that's a documentary. If we want to, I would say there are parts of that that make speculative leaps. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's right in the dead middle, isn't it? And for anyone who hasn't seen Cosmos, I mean, good God. Oh, there's man. hardly anything better out there. Oh, my to God. To watch. It's on. It is. Especially for any age. Like I was watching with yeah. my young daughters. They, this was even a couple of years ago. And so they were even younger than they are now. And they were just like mesmerized. Oh, yeah. It is. All like so uh, well told and well constructed and well delivered. Um, it's unbelievably good. Um, so I can't recommend Cosmos. Whether you're a fan of documentary or a fan of science fiction, yeah. it's, it is definitely a mashup of the two. And that's uh, required. It's viewing. masterfully put together, and it's absolutely awesome. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you can watch it on places like Amazon Prime for free. Um. Yeah, you probably can. Was that the so? There's Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. and what was um? And then there was Peter Sagan, uh, Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? Peter wait, wait, Sagan. Tell me. Yeah. Oh my Peter god. Peter Fucking bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carl, Carl Sagan, Sagan was the original. Was uh, and he was in the sixties, sixties and seventies. Yeah, I think. Um, and he, yeah, he was sort of the person who, um, you know, he was like the. Michael Jordan of <laughs> yeah yeah well he you know, he, he started very much popularized and brought into the 
like cultural zeitgeist, like this whole discussion yeah. about the the cosmos and you know all of all of that stuff. And so. putting it into layman's terms. Yeah, absolutely. And made it understandable and relatable and interesting to right. real people. Right, yeah. And Neil deGrasse Tyson has done a brilliant job of like taking that that picking up that mantle and kind of taking it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And modernizing it and making it like even better. Yeah. And it's mind blowing. I mean, you're like, honestly, I can't think of anything that you sit there and watch where like every two minutes, you're just like, Oh my God, I've never thought about (laughs) any of this in this way. And this makes me think completely differently about our existence. And you can't even catch your breath. Yeah. By the time you you can't even comprehend like what he just like how small we are, and then he's on to the next thing. And yeah. You're like, oh my god! I and mean, that's exactly how science fiction rolls. You know, <laughs> science fiction just makes you. Nothing else does that like science fiction. <laughs> Holy shit, man! Except for a really good documentary, <laughs> Born into Brothels. Yeah, like I don't know. I I mean I don't. Th- you're so much at the like so much of it is you know that science fiction movies are is this true or not i feel like i'm going to say it and i don't know if it's true or not it feels like it could be that science fiction movies are like the playground for rich hollywood types like that only rich like studios are able to make good science fiction is that true mm, no i don't think so no, was, what was because it? anybody can make a documentary. Uh, true, uh, any good filmmaker can yeah. make a good documentary. Which is part of the reason why there's just so much shit out there. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> man. It's true. No question. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, there have been some independent sci-fi films though too. Like, uh, what's the? There's that one that was popular um, maybe ten years ago, but the box and these guys have the box and they enter the box and it's like a time travel sort of like. It's very conceptual, sort of. Um, God, I have Hellraiser. I have no, yeah, <laughs> Hellraiser is amazing. By the way, <laughs> yes, I'm it all is. about the Cenobites. Oh yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> we've never talked about that. Um, and that's horror. Firmly. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is like there's one hundred percent. There's one hundred percent horror. In there. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, Clive Barker is like um, not to completely sidetrack this discussion, but Clive Barker has like is more of a conceptual sort of horror writer than, yeah. than a Stephen King who's like, I'm not even going to bother with like how this thing came to be. I'm just going to scare the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like there's world building right. with Clive yeah, Barker, yeah, yeah. which is more like fantastical and science fiction elements. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, well yeah. Other indie science fiction stuff. I, what was that one with, um, oh, this is the worst when you just fucking, d- sorry, listeners, like what's that dude who is fucking married to that chick who, um, but honestly, Oh, David Arquette, um, where he's, um, on a mission by himself and he begins to hallucinate and there are different versions of him kind of, do you know this one? I don't think I've ever seen this movie. Oh God, you would love it. It's, um, it's great. Um, Wait, you're not talking about multiplicity with Michael Keaton, are you? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
yeah, well, also what you have in your uh, in your oh, incredible gosh. genre is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? Yes. That's... That movie rules. I mean, come on. Tell me you didn't love that as a kid. I did, yeah. All right. See, there you go. I mean, I don't know how you would characterize something like The Goonies. It's not sci-fi. I don't know what it is. It's like an adventure film, I guess. What about Gremlins? Um, Where does that sit? Horror, I think. Like kids horror, you know. True, yeah. Kids horror. I mean, but you've got Blade Runner. Oh, for God's Arguably, sake. like, one of the greatest films of all time. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. But did that make me I, think I, about my life? I would definitely life? put it in my top ten. And not that that's the only, that's the bar for a good movie, but... Like, for, like, affecting society. Did I it think... make you contemplate the nature of love and how we think about other cultures and other beings? Not the first time. I was too young. I think, I think there's something about the... When you look at the sort of Isaac Asimov sort of... And granted, there haven't been a lot of great films made out of his stuff. Unfortunately but not. I think when you look at um, some of that stuff that's about the... I think the best stuff that deals with like something like a replicant or a robot or artificial intelligence gets to the nature of like what it is that like is like makes consciousness consciousness and what makes us unique and how do you create or replicate that? And what point does it stop? And one point, what point does it start? That's super interesting. That stuff. Yeah. And that does. Yeah. That makes you think about like yourself and your consciousness. And and I think these are the issues that we're all going to have to deal with very shortly in our lifetimes when we all have self-driving cars and robots taking care of the elderly and (laughs) yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm not joking. I mean, they're already like using robots to care for the elderly in Asia. What? Yeah. No joke. The fuck out of here. What are they doing? They can monitor and make sure that they don't leave houses. They can lift them. Yeah. I mean, they're already talking about things like exoskeletons. Oh yeah. That instead of people having wheelchairs or, you know, when you're 90, you could lift 350 pounds in one of these exoskeletons, let alone like get around the house. Oh, we're definitely going to have that stuff. Thanks to science fiction. Dude, no fucking documentary about aging (laughs) is getting you that. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking true. Wow. That may be your strongest point yet. I think me being able to be a robot when I'm 85. Yeah. You may just want me over. Or have sex with a robot. Or let's not even. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Ex Machina was. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one, wasn't it? And that that was kind of right in the. More contained, independent sci-fi. Oh, definitely. Right in the. Definitely sci-fi. I mean, oh, definitely sci-fi, but I'm right in the spot of, like, consciousness and. Yeah. Like. The um, fucking dark spot of it. Yeah. Fucking A. Yeah. And what's the test that they do? Um, um, the te- the replicant test. Yeah. Well, no, but but like the test to. Oh, the uncanny valley. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. The thing where something looks too human and it starts to freak humans out. No, it's a test that they do on the replicant on the robot. To I forget. It's it's kind of a key point in Ex Machina. It's like a test that they run. To like, 
check on the the fucking robot. I forget what it is. Oh, I but... thought you were talking about it in Blade Runner because like <laughs> no, no, Decker's whole job is to like go around and administer, or at least yeah, yeah, part yeah. of his job. Most of his job is to wait, wait. kill the replicants. Yeah. yeah, but part of his job is to you know identify, give, administer a test. That's one of the like pivotal scenes early on is when he's administering this test. To yeah, this yeah. Dude. Uh, Let me ask you: Is her a science fiction movie? Oh, absolutely! It is, isn't it? Absolutely! Yeah, it, it's super cool. Like, because yeah. there isn't a fucking robot in it. Looper. There isn't a um, Looper. Also, um, Inception. Yep. I didn't fucking like that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you not like that movie? I don't. It's. Just, I didn't like it. Are you, do you think it would be? 10% better if Matt Damon had done it instead of Leonardo <laughs> That may have just been the tipping point for me. I heard someone on the internet like say the other day that they're like they put forth the the argument that every Leonardo DiCaprio movie would be 10% better if Matt Damon was in it instead. <laughs> That's really fun. I don't even I don't I honestly don't agree with that though. I, oh, actually, I don't I think agree Leonardo with DiCaprio. What? I mean Matt Damon's a fine actor, but Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean Matt Damon is not no, Get, no, like playing Leonardo. Arnie and what's eating Gilbert Grape. Exactly. No fucking, ch- not in this lifetime. Nor is he playing the fucking Revenant. No. Or is he playing uh, Hugh Glass in the Revenant? Right. Right. Which, that's another fucking, that's for another topic. Um. All right. So, good. Documentaries obviously influence our lives more directly than science fiction. Um. Without science fiction, we'd all just be, you know, sitting around murdering each other and making documentaries about it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd and be ab- abused by elder abuse in nursing homes. There'd be a lot of documentaries about elder abuse <laughs> and arthritis and how we're all dying. Oh, Jesus. Agree to disagree. Yeah. It's a good, that's how it should be, right? Then, uh, by the way, later in this episode, I'm going to talk about a couple documentaries I just saw. Oh, good. Good, yeah. But first, let's let's talk about some cheese here. Yeah, fucking A, man. From out of this wine. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. I haven't tried this. Um, You got the sparkling water here. So, yeah, right next to the cheese is sort of an impulse buy. We had um, a locally brewed Minneapolis sparkling water called Spruce Soda Company. Who the fuck brews water? Brewed. Brewed true. Brewed true. It's water. Yeah. You don't fucking do anything to it. You carbonate it and stick it in a bottle, but clean, crisp, sparkling water, pure and simple. Enjoy chilled. Does that have a flavor? It has mm-hmm. a flavor. Or am I just th- it's It's called spruce. And now I'm feeling like it tastes a little bit like a fucking pine tree. Is it just because I'm reading spruce on there? It does it's feel like there's a little flavor. It's also not nearly carbonated enough. No, we're fucking near. I I feel like I got suckered in by a nicely designed label and a minimal label and something that was like on the counter at like a wine and cheese shop, thinking like, oh, this is going to be really high end sparkling water. This is so it's, annoying. It is not good. This is so annoying. So the under they take the fucking time to go on the label. Under nutrition facts, it's water, right? So ingredients, carbonated, filtered water. But they still take the time to list out under each fucking thing, calories, zero. Calories from fat, zero. Saturated fat, zero. Like, god damn, it feels like they're... 
boasting. What I want to talk to these sons of bitches and ask them what brood true means. Because there's nothing fucking brood about it. Uh, I feel like they're trying to capitalize on like the micro brew trend or something. Anyways, for anyone listening, uh, I'm going to give two people. thumbs down to Spruce Soda Company's sparkling water. Yeah, sorry. Bottled St- by stick independent with- producer for Doof and Knurt. What the fuck? Yeah. Stick with LaCroix or Mendota Springs or, yeah. you know, something else. That, by the way, I realized last time I called that um, sparkling water in the green bottle that we like from Whole Foods. I called it Green Mountain. But it's, that's just because it's in a green bottle. It's actually called Spring, spring fucking Mountain spring or something mountain like or that. Some yeah. It is definitely something mountain, but it is not Green Mountain. Yeah, Green Mountains, Vermont. Yeah, it's spring, spring valley mountain, something like that. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Some, something it's like that. Anyways, it's really good. Yeah, that's the one. There's some. Yeah, you can you'll you can do a lot worse than shopping for your sparkling water at Whole Foods. Do you think so? My go-to is, uh, and again, not to derail everything, just real quick. Just a, am I a evil or am I all right? What? By the way, I went to. Uh, massive Mexican market when I was on those food tours out in LA and I got a couple of bottles of Topo Chico. Yeah. Topo Chico's good. Topo Chico's good. But it's not amazing. No? No, I don't think it's amazing. No? It's no. got big, big bubbles. Not that that's my only measure, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I like a big bubble. I like some big bubbles. Strong bubbles, too. I... I don't know. Like... Did you get those small glass ones? I... Yeah. I mean, I got the... Like, I don't know, relatively small glass ones or whatever. Though, like, on the road, when I can't have, like, my go-to, like, at-home ones, those, like, Perrier Lime, those have been treating me right. You love that, yeah. I, I like those better than the Topo Chico, I think. Yeah, I'm, I mean, to be honest, like, I think the Topo Chico I like because it's in the little bottles. It's, it's like... What's the idea of, like, getting water from Mexico? It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. Um, but it's not my favorite. You know, my yeah. favorite is, I think that, I, which we can't even fucking remember the yeah. name, like Green Mountain or whatever. Not Green yeah. Mountain, whatever the fuck it is. Spring, Spring Mountain. Mountain. Um, that's probably my favorite. Um, which is the most, like, made-up n- bullshit, like, nothing name ever. It's like, Spring oh, it's nothing. Mountain. <laughs> it's, it's so bullshit. But, um... Am I an ass for buying water? I drink San Pellegrino is my go-to, and I drink a shitload of it. Am I an ass in for, like, buying water that comes from fucking Italy? Should I just be drinking water that... I mean, I live in Minnesota. It's actually Mountain Spring. Mountain Spring. No, sorry. Yeah. It is Mountain Valley. Get the fuck. Mountain Valley sparkling water. Mountain Valley. What the fuck does that mean? There's mountain and there's a valley. And down at the bottom of it, yeah, that's it. Mountain Valley. It's in a green bottle. Pretty minimal label. The blue round, round blue label. The blue is sparkling. The red is still. The red is still. The blue is sparkling. So you want to look for the blue. Um, this Mountain Valley stuff is good. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's the best one. I think. But my, seriously, what do you think about like buying water from Italy? Like, 
I, oh, my precious fucking lips can only drink water that's been packed it's on a shipping. Better from, than buying it from France. It is better than buying it from France. But, but for fuck's sake, the water in Minnesota. Oh no, I, I can't. Couldn't possibly. No, I mean honestly, my favorite, though I go to if I could just go to it all the time, I would drink. The Mendota Springs Lime. I know you don't like it. No. I would go for the I Mendota. I have started drinking it, though, because it's Mendota Springs Lime all the time. That's, that's my go-to. That and the um, the mango or the Pomplamousse yeah. LaCroix. I could just rotate through those three. Throw in a um, Mountain Valley. Mountain Valley. <laughs> Mountain yeah. Valley from Whole Foods. You have, like, five bottles of that in the fridge and pull one of those out. The nice thing about that is, like... It's such a good size. Oh, you know, that's it. For you like just, a single sitting or whatever. Exactly. You, know, you can like have one of those for a couple hours or whatever. And yeah, that's good. what I like is that it's – and that one, the Mountain Valley is a liter where San Pellegrino is 750 milliliters unless you get the big. Right. There's a bigger one too. But but I mean honestly like I, I, what I – The thing about San Pellegrino – I mean I like San Pellegrino but it's just so ubiquitous. It's that like every restaurant that you go oh, yeah. to. No, serve. It's, it's either like some of them are starting to serve the badois or whatever. That's yeah. become a little more popular. But yeah. I feel like and honestly, the I think the thing that kicks all of their asses, but I just can't get it around here, is the Saratoga um sparkling water out of upstate New York. It's in a really awesome colored blue bottle with a minimal label. I think it's like the best sparkling water I've ever had. Huh. It's really, really good. But it's only distributed. Like, you get it at, like, really nice restaurants in New York. Mm. But you don't get it anyplace else. It is Fucking money. Really? So good. I like drinking out of a glass bottle. Yeah. Glass Which is why I like nice. the Pellegrino. Yeah. Or you the know, Mountain Valley. Or the Mountain Valley, yeah. Um, what's what did, In California, I drank Crystal Geyser. Crystal Geysers. The Crystal Geyser. Crystal yeah. Geyser. <laughs> That's good. It's yeah. fine. It's the same thing as a Mendota Springs or whatever. Yeah. I don't like any of the flavors. I don't want any. Like, if I have my my druthers, just No plain. flavors? You're just putting a fresh lime or a lemon or something in it? Not even. Really? I mean, I will if wow. it's right there. I like limes. Yeah, lime's fresh good. Lime. Fre- li- I like it, but it's too much trouble. Like, I don't go to. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't slow down enough in my life. I need to fucking slow down. Put the fucking lime fresh in the Fresh lime in there? Yeah. yeah. Right? It's true. How I mean, this is we only go this way once, man. Yeah, put the fucking right. <laughs> put the right. fucking lemon in there. If you watch more sci-fi, you would, <laughs> I would realize <laughs> realize the potential of sparkling water. Yeah, and realize that, like, instead of watching documentaries and kvetching about the moral quandary of <laughs> drinking water from, from Italy. <laughs> Fair enough. No. This is why I still think you and I need to start a fucking water company and get this right once and for all. Right? Help these fucking people. They don't know what they're doing. No. I mean, what kind of shit is this? How much was this fucking thing? I don't know. It's it's probably like at least a buck fifty 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 or two bucks. Yeah. Yeah. For this tiny ass bottle? For, yeah, for 12 ounces. 12 ounce bottle. Spruce soda company. Bullshit. Absolutely. Bullshit in a bottle. God damn them. God damn them. All right. So speaking of cheese, let's mm. let's turn over this cheese here. Yeah, man. Let's There's some delicious fucking cheese on the table here. So I brought five cheeses. Unfortunately, I forgot to bring a knife down to spread this um, camembert oh, from 
Minnesota. It's a uh, Bent River Camembert out of Mankato. And this is... I sampled a little bit of this earlier when I was popping it open. It is fucking delicious. Yeah. Camembert. Yeah, not always like a go-to soft cheese for me. You know, like... No. You go for a... Like a triple cream brie, or like if you're really feeling out there, you'll go to like a Telegio. I love you know? Telegio. Those are like much more common. Like I don't often go to a Camembert, but no, me neither. It's pretty That's nice though. Yeah. It's got that nice like ammonia sort of, which I know people do not dig. Yeah, and at, when I was buying it, the woman handed it to me, and she was like, "This, this white stuff here, kind of like on the." Spreadable cheese part. That's not mold. It's like the cheese trying to create more of a casing around itself. You know? I always like, eat that. Yeah. Oh, it's it's good. Yeah. Nobody, like, the heathens fucking scrape that back and scoop out the insides. I, I always eat that. Like that part that seems like a rind. That's nice. That's really good. Yeah. I have to say... I went to this new place for for the uh, Twin Cities residents who listen. Um, I went to this new cheese shop. It's just uh, it's on the corner of Lake uh, West Lake and Grand, so right by um, Fuji uh, Sushi, right around in there, just in from Lindale. And uh, this cheese shop, small little cheese shop inside this liquor store, but the woman was super nice, super amazing, and they have a really amazing selection of cheeses that I'd never heard of. It was named uh, City Page's Best Cheese Shop, like, two or three years in a row. Um, it's killer. And it was... Lake yeah. Wine and Cheese. Yep. Um, it's like Lake Wine and Spirits, I think. And is it Lake Wine the, and Spirits? The cheese yeah. shop in there. Yeah. Ample um, parking. Yeah, nice. parking's good. They got a... They got a um, they do their sandwiches right there, too. Yeah, you're right. I saw they do have a bunch of sandwiches, and I felt like that was a miss all the times we've been at the office looking for new places to go oh, for lunch. A. We never went there, so... God damn it. We'll have to do it before we make the move. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we should. So let's try... Let's skip to this... Um, I want to try this one, yeah. Yeah, this this one, which is uh, a Car Valley Mobe. It's, um, it's a split. There's like an actual visual split you can see between a like milky white cheese that's a goat, and then there's a line of ash, sort of similar to like a Humboldt fog, for those cheese lovers out there. This line of ash, and then on the other side, it's a goat uh, milk cheese. So it's like like a mashup of like sheep's that's milk and goat milk. It's so good. And it's like it's warmed up. There's nothing worse than cold cheese. Mm-hmm. You know? Um... So they oh, put yeah. they put ash in Humboldt fog. I didn't know. Yeah, uh, there's a line of ash with the Humboldt fog. Fucking a. Um, oh, this yeah. is unbelievable. That one is money. So good. Wow. That's killer. Other way. Sorry, buddy. We got some a freezer snafu there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is killer. unbelievable. I think a lot of people tend to shy away from like cheese that isn't cow's milk cheese. And if you do that, if you've got some sort of mental hangup over that, you're missing out on the best, oh some of the best cheeses in the game. I love sheep's cheese. Yeah. I don't even, to be honest with you, I rarely think about 
what fucking animal it comes from. So like this next this next guy, try this next one. Try this next one down the line here. It's actually a mix a mix of cow, sheep, and goat. All mixed together. Yeah. So yeah, the last one was like one side was goat, one side was yeah. sheep. This one is like this takes all the kind of was like described to me as like it's an Iberico of oh. Spain. So similar to Iberico ham, obviously. It's this an is Iberico. From Spain? It's from it's the Spanish cheese. And it's like a thinking man's manchego. Yeah. Is that what they call it? All right. Well, I'm thinking. It's kind of how it was described to me in the store. Like, most people heard of Manchego. Most people haven't tried this. Because I went in and I said, kind of gave this woman, who is the cheesemonger, the prompt of, give me five sort of like off-the-beaten-path cheeses. Yeah. So even the cheddar that we're going to try here in a second is like a raw milk cheddar. So it's pretty different than your typical. It's not like a Wisconsin cheddar cheese that you're going to get at the grocery store. You know what I would say, too, to any of you cheese motherfuckers out there is don't be afraid to, like, go oh my God. and buy some cheese. That's the and, fun of cheese. T- right? And honestly, like, it's not – if you go to, like, a some fancy Salumeria or whatever, you'll drop 120 bucks before you know it. But cheese, like, you can get, like, oh. a finger or two of cheese that goes a long way, and you spend, like, four bucks. Yeah, absolutely. I got a generous portion of all of these cheeses, and some some of them were three bucks. I mean, all together, I was shocked at how cheap it was when I rang out. Right. Because I got crackers to, for us to eat with it. Um, I got this shitty ass sparkling, overpriced sparkling waters. <laughs> I got uh, the cheese, which is obviously the bulk of it, but I was shocked at how cheap it was yeah. for the cheeses. So you can go, like if you're going somewhere, I always, if if somebody's doing something, I'm like, oh, I'll bring the cheese plate. And they think you're somebody. Fancy. They think you're yeah. fancy. Yeah. And you just fucking go in there and you're like. They think you like sci-fi films. They Exactly. They're like, what a fucking forward thinking brain on you where mm. did you come up with the, the idea that raw milk for this cheddar cheese. we're uh going through a, a cottonwood river holy fuck raw milk cheddar i mean have you this cheddar is unbelievable the depth of flavor that's it's unreal i'd never say that's cheddar maybe i don't know that's unbelievable i've never had anything like that I got a cheese guy at the um, at the farmers market that makes raw um, raw milk. He uses sheep and cow's milk for diff- different types of cheeses, and um, raw raw milk ages it in a cave in Wisconsin. Brings it to the farmers market and sells like just hunks, like big, like size of a softball for ten bucks. And it's fucking unbelievable. Wow. Like, unbelievable. I'll grab you one when I go this weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's so, so good. So good. That's a, something you get up here, man. Like, this is fucking cheese country. Yeah. These people know what they're doing with some cheese. Wisconsin, That's unbelievable. Wisconsin, too. There's like, you know, you think of Wisconsin as like the Sargentos and the like right. the big cheese places. But Pleasant Valley Ridge yeah. Out of Wisconsin? It's like one of the best cheeses in the United States. Yeah. And probably, like, they're starting to get, much like American wines, they're competing worldwide. Oh, yeah. For sure. 
Wisconsin is. In you know they're competing with French cheeses and. So the last one we have to try here. I'm gonna grab this label. This one was I was told was the most popular. It's a Milton Creamery, which is evidently wild, pretty wildly available. A cheese called Prairie Breeze. It's a pasteurized cow's milk cheese. Um, let's give this a shot. Is that this one right here? Yeah. Pasteurized cow's milk cheese. Wow. Sweet. Is it sweet? It's got a little sweetness to it. This is really good. It's very like... It's kind of like hard to pin down. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's happening. It's really unique. Yeah. Huh. Prairie Breeze. I'm going to have a fucking Prairie Breeze later on. (laughs) (laughs) When you're surfing the internet on the toilet, watching documentaries on the toilet. Exactly, yeah. Prairie Breeze coming through the Great Plains up here. That's killer. Yeah. Nice fucking cheeses, man. This is a good idea. I think my favorite is... um, I think that cheddar is my favorite. That cheddar is unbelievably it's good. Crazy. It's like revelatory. It's the, unbelievable. The potential of cheddar. It's crazy. I never had anything like that. I, I have to say, though, not to like toot my own fucking horn here, but there's not a dog in the bunch. Fuck no. If someone gave me this as a cheese plate, like maybe it doesn't quite have the breath that you want of a cheese plate, but I would be well, oh, well, fucking pleased Absolutely. with this cheese plate. So, hey, do you ever? Um, are you a? Uh, I don't think. I think you rarely get dessert. Um, I mean, I've eaten out with you a hundred times. Um, I can't. You you don't often get dessert, but are you? And I've never seen you. We ever gotten because I'm I like the cheese plate for dessert, hmm. and I can't. Uh, you, is that a move for you? It's not a move. No? I never think of the cheese plate. I have to say, it's only when um, I'm with someone who like grew up outside of the United States. Yeah, generally that I end up, we end up getting a cheese plate. I love that fucking move. Very classy. Well, Let me say, tell you. very classy. I have to say, the other night I was out with some friends and we went to Heyday. Across oh, the street from Zeus Jones. sake. I have to say I was pretty impressed with the food. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding. I went there once and I was like, the food here is not good. Yeah. Last time we went, the food was really fucking good. Really? So they had a dessert that was a three-year-old Gouda whipped with a little cream as a dessert with these little bits of... It was unfucking believable It's one of the best desserts I've ever had. What? Yeah. Holy shit. Because I've eaten there three, four times. Um, the last time, like, I complained. It was a while ago. Last time I ate there was nine right. months ago. Right. So, I, I mean, this shit. Was, it was more than a year ago for me. And I was like, when someone else made the reservation, and when I saw it, I was like, uh, groan. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and I have to say, everything we ate was on point. Wow. And really good. All right. But if you go there and have a drink, it's like all of the stuff is available, obviously, at all times. Just get the like three-year uh, Gouda thing oh, off yeah. the dessert as like, right. a small plate thing to share while you're having drinks. You will not be sorry, my friend. Oh, will do. Seriously good. All right. It's got we'll a little do. caramel and some huh. other stuff on it, too. Oh, God. So Whipped good. Gouda. 
Yeah. The fuck is good? Good is a hard cheese. I wonder how they. Right? Good is kind of a hard cheese. Yeah. I don't know if like. Yeah, I tried to get like a a super aged Gouda for tonight. That was one of the things that I saw as like a recommendation of things that you've never oh, quite really? had. The thing that led me to the cheddar too was there's like a like a farm style, like a different way of producing cheddar. Oh. Okay. Um, that I asked for and she was like, the closest we've ha- we'd have to that is this raw milk cheddar, which thank God I asked about that because that cheese yeah. is amazing. Oh my god, yeah, that's my favorite. So that was killer, man. Yeah. Nice one. What should we do next time? Um, I'll have to give it some thought. Yeah. It might be a salami. Salami would be good. I <laughs> That'd think. be good, right? Yeah. Be really good. All right, man. What, do you, what should we talk about? We're at like, we're almost an hour here. Oh, geez. Poor fucking people. Well, what have you been, what do you got? Let's give some people some recent. Yeah. Let's give oh, you. The thing I have to tell you about that oh, I've been waiting to tell you about. Give me. Yeah. So do you. I know you're not as big of a podcast guy as I am. I'm like <laughs> super into podcasts. There's a podcast called Reply All that's about, if you can't, um, it's a really clever name, I think. It's about internet culture, which at first you're like, oh, is this going to be about like chat rooms and shit like that? It's, <laughs> it's really fucking interesting, actually. Um, but the thing that you are going to absolutely love is they've been doing this three-part series about this guy called Paul Madrowski. And the reason why he first came in is he has this blog where he writes about like really, really elaborate, um, long blog posts, hundreds of blog posts on his site about what it's actually like to be in prison. What? And he's, he's autistic. So he goes into extreme elaborate detail. Oh, you're kidding me. Um, uh, so if you go to Paul, P-A-U-L, Madrowski, M-O-D-R-O-S-K-I dot blogspot dot com, you can literally read hundreds and hundreds of extremely detailed, extremely well-written, super articulate, poignant blog posts about what it's like to actually live in a state penitentiary. And this guy claims that he is... And this is what the rest of the episodes, the first episode was just about this, can you believe how amazing this guy's blog is? But then they started to dig into who this guy was and why he's in prison. And it turns out that, like, it kind of sounds like he's been wrongfully in prison because he was autistic. No. For murders that he didn't commit. They're setting up another serial? (laughs) I mean, maybe... You know, uh, yeah, a little less. It's starting to feel like that as it was like, this is kind of going in like a, um, but he's been in prison for a long time because the murders were the Palatine, Illinois. Do you remember the chicken sh- restaurant murders? I do. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Where I do. They found nine people, mur- like teenagers yep. murdered and stuffed in the freezer and it's- all the blood had been like immaculately cleaned up. Oh God. That's this dude. He, this is one of the things that they think he was potentially involved in, or they claimed he was potentially involved in. All right. So um, just to clarify, um, in this, you learned about Paul Madrowski in, uh, through this podcast called Reply All. Which is an awesome podcast, by the way. You should listen to Reply All. You should check out Paul Madrowski's blog. It is un-fucking-believable. So he's actually stopped writing his blog because he f- 
I think fellow prisoners found out about the blog and he felt like, I mean, he right. talks like pretty specifically about like murders that happen in the prison. Like it's, it's really interesting. Cause there's this thing of like, you're like, is, is there some sort of collusion between Hollywood and TV shows and the justice, the penal and justice system about like, they're going to make prison look as miserable as possible. Cause sometimes you hear about these people who like, sounds like they have a pretty, awesome pretty cushy life in prison and then you hear stories of like the this american famous this american life episode about the guy who wrote a manual on like how to like um choose the person who's gonna like be your top in prison or whatever you know and you're just like oh my god oh my. i will do anything humanly possible to ever stay out of prison when yeah. you hear the story and this is i feel like uh, gives you a much more balanced look of like, oh no, it is fucking real, and you do not want to be there. Not that anyone ever wants to be in prison, but like, it yeah. is not a fucking cakewalk, right? There's nothing about it that's like a, a cakewalk from at least where this guy is. Holy and shit! About it. It's like there's this amazing thing where he, because you have this like so little creature comforts. They were talking on Reply All about this thing where he had this fan and one of the plastic fan blades broke. And so like this fan was busted and he melted, like spent nine hours one day melting this plastic, trying to fill this crack in his fan. And he's like incredibly resourceful and ingenious. And he writes this incredibly long post about how he did this and how he tried to do it. And when he plugged it back in, like after 30 seconds, it just broke again. And then, so he, he found, Another guy in the prison who had the same fan, but the motor had burnt out, and he traded him, like, other goods for the fan blade, and he swapped out, then he swapped out the fan blade because he couldn't melt this, like, plastic that he had acquired, because they're really careful about what plastic you get and what you can't get, and, you know, they don't want people turning shit into weapons and all that kind of stuff, so, um, yeah, just incredibly, from, you know, it's incredibly insightful, incredibly poignant it's brilliantly written and articulated like this guy you know could have been you know you look at eddie bunker who and i know the reason why i knew you'd love this guy is because you're such a huge fan of eddie bunker oh god for anyone who doesn't know eddie bunker he was the youngest ever um inmate to go to san quentin and um when he was like a teenager yeah and uh you know went on to write lots of brilliant sort of crime novels based on his own experiences as like a young criminal um, was in Reservoir Dogs, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, Paul Madrowski reminds me of it's it's different, but it's because um, he's not a criminal. He's not necessarily like a career criminal. He's just someone who's lived in prison he's, for a dude fifteen to twenty prison. years at this point, and is just writing about his experience. Yeah, and it is unbelievably interesting. Does he get into? Um, because Eddie Bunker like went into a lot of like. The politics of like, you know how how you kind of navigate your way through prison, um, and it sounds like a dude like this might be, you know, the sort of wild card that is very like head in like in the corner, not really communicating with a lot of people. Where Eddie Bunker would like figured out how to work the system, you know, no beast so fierce. I think was the or, or animal, um. Animal Factory was his prison novel. Let me read read this. Maybe I'm wrong about how long he's been in prison, actually. Uh, 
This was from February 13th, 2015. A Dead Man's Boots, November 30th, 2014. Today I mourn my 40th birthday. Since 18, I've languished in the maximum security prisons of Illinois. During this time, all my dreams, hopes, and aspirations have faded away. Everything, in fact, I once valued is gone. Regularly, I try to recall the past when my life had meaning, but those memories are blotted out by stark reality. There is no light at the end of this tunnel, only a glowing black void. I never wanted to see the day my body and mind succumbed to old age, and yet now I have gone the distance with nothing gained but misery, hatred, and immense sorrow. In retrospect, I wish the police would have executed me upon arrest. The, ju the judicial system is a farce, and my fate was set the moment the Cook County State's Attorney's Office saw the opportunity to make me a scapegoat for a massacre they could not solve. Anyway. Good God. That's, this is more towards the end of when he's deciding not to write this. But, like, you can see from this, like, every entry is, like, this long. Look how fucking long that is. I'm, Holy I'm like, shit. scrolling for an wow. unbelievable amount of time. And it's just. Oh, my God. Um, I can't wait to dig into that. More, that's more of like a meta sort of D right. like how he's feeling. But most of them are about like the day-to-day -day -day. ins and outs of like what it's actually like to be in prison. And so for those of you who love those books about like stepping into another world and finding out like a very authentic version of what it's like to inhabit that world, this is the perfect thing for you. Holy shit. That is so – that I've, I've been waiting for that. What does that say about me? <laughs> like, I wonder, like, what, like, you know, some, like, flippant psychologist would say, like, oh, okay, well, like, the type that would just say, like, oh, well, you had a dream about losing a tooth, that means that you're concerned about finances or something. Like, that's the kind of person that just fucking throws shit off the side. I wonder if they would say, oh, you're super into prison novels? You, you're, you're a, like... You're super into sodomy and being sodomized, <laughs> then you just don't fucking. I wonder what it right. says about me. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't think I'm in. I don't think I want to be sodomized. I think it's just uh, part of part of being a human is you're fascinated with things that you oh, another world that you're never likely to experience. That is so foreign and so something that we're is kind of held over us as you know to keep you in line. I'm the the like frugality and like that kind of thing I'm fascinated with. So like is I'm just as big of a fan as much as I love reading prison novels, just as much I love reading shipwreck novels. Mm. So stories about people that are have been lost at sea, I've read like dozens and dozens of those. Anyone I can find I read. And it's like you know, how am I gonna how do I get by? Like this is I, what what is within arm's reach is what I got, and this is you know. So I have to I have to talk to you. I if you haven't seen this, this is another thing that I'm so excited to tell you about. Yes, give me. Have you heard about the documentary Finders Keepers? Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Have yeah. you seen this? Remind me. I, I don't know if I have or not. I forget. So Finders Keepers, this documentary that happens in. I want to say it's North Carolina. I, I'm pretty sure it is North Carolina, and one of the guys who's involved moves to South Carolina at one point. But so in North Carolina, this guy goes to uh, one of those things where they um, sell the contents of a storage 
bin and he buys, a, he sees a smoker, just sort of like an entry level smoker for smoking barbecue. He buys this smoker and he opens it up and inside he finds a human leg. I have not seen this. And and I've only now that you say it, I've only seen the title in Sar recommended, and I don't know what what happens here. Oh my but, god! But tell as much as you can. Cause... It is unbelievably good. So this is in because, a storage unit. Yeah, storage unit. So it turns out that this guy who <laughs> it turns into was it smoked? A legal battle was the leg smoked? Between, no, it wasn't smoked. It had been tried. Like it had been like preserved a, a couple different ways. They're like basically taxidermied. Um, so there was this guy who was in a plane accident, and I, I won't tell much much more about this because you just have to watch it because the okay. way it unfolds is just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> it's the story of the legal battle of this man who finds this leg and decides in his warped mind that this leg is going to make him famous. Okay. Finding this. I, yeah, like sure. He turns, this is going to turn it into a roadside attraction. Mm-hmm. And the person who the leg actually belongs to who has been amputated off of dude you're kidding me no oh my god finders keepers you can stream it on netflix for free it's it a is fucking netflix unbelievably good <laughs> oh, good one god you got the gold tonight man. yeah you got the gold <laughs> i love it and holy shit yeah and the it would not the whole thing is so fascinating because <laughs> the two people in the documentary, like their lie, both of their lives are completely transformed by this event. Really? Yeah. In ways that you could never predict. Oh my God. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going home and watching that tonight. Yeah. Oh, you are going to love it. Wow. So good. Finders keepers. How old is it? Not that old. A few years. It maybe. can't be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've never, all right. So while we're on the documentary tip, I'm gonna Mark H is gonna murder me because for the amount of recommendations I'm giving. Nice. He, always, uh, he doesn't like that. He 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 wants him to you know flow a little slower. I think generally. Um, I just have to recommend this other documentary called Welcome to Leith. Have you seen this? Nope. So this Welcome to Leith, also streaming on Netflix, documentary, is about. This guy who is one of the main leaders of the um, neo-Nazi sort of white supremacist uh, movement in the United States. And he moves to, he decides to move to a tiny town in North Dakota and politically, he wants to politically take, move other white supremacists and this kind of like... uh, Aryan sort of brotherhood people up and basically take over the small town in North Dakota and turn it into like a, a haven of white supremacy. Okay. Like an encampment where white families can come. And it's about this did, struggle between the this. people of this town. And there is actually one black guy who lives there. Like in this town, it's a tiny town of like 20 some people, but because of the like oil boom, People are starting to like, they're start, starting to be industry and stuff up there again. So these people, these white supremacists can move up there, get a job making like $50,000, a year working on these oil rigs and these oil mining things and get a house for like, and land for like $2,000. So this guy moves up and he's got this money. He just starts buying up all these properties. So he has eight properties and he just starts give, turning them over 
to all these other white supremacists from around the country, and they start moving there to take over this town. All right, so maybe I did not see this because there's is this sort of does he use sort of like the the tried and true method of of these types where they um just kind of prey on disenfranchised youth and he like brings in people that you know brings in kids that have been thrown out of their house and whatever and builds like a youth compound or is this like this is so he's he doesn't actually try to recruit anyone in the town like no one in the town falls for this they just want him out and um, it's a battle between the people who are there and these people he's trying to move in. But, like, he quickly can equal the amount of people. Like, they take over city council meetings, and he's basically, like, there's a guy who's been on the city council who just, like, as the previous mayors died, he just inherited, the like, the position of mayor. Jesus. Because there's no one else who wants the job. Wow. You know? Like, he ran uncontested. It was just, like, a known thing. Like, this guy will become mayor in 15 years when Ed dies or whatever, you know? So this guy comes up there and, like, through some circumstances somehow. I mean, we're talking about when you pull into this town, there's a painted sign on two boards that says, Welcome to Leith, which is where they got the name of the documentary. And middle of nowhere in North Dakota, we're talking population like a couple hundred maybe. And this guy's just like, I can come in and take over. Like literally take over. I can run the city council. A white supremacist will be mayor. We're going to come in. And it's funny because like some of the people he's pulling in are from Detroit and I wonder if they're doing the same thing in Detroit where they're like, we can get land for super cheap. We can take over an entire neighborhood. Right. We can create like so it's just really fascinating because here. you think like, you know, there's a couple hundred thousand of these people that believe mm-hmm. all the shit these people do. And this is this guy is like causing um, personally responsible for like a lot of the white supremacists who are like going as far as like, you know, um, you know, shooting sprees and violence right. and bombings. Right. And shit like yeah. that. So it's just kind of eye-opening to see, like, these people, there's a couple hundred thousand of them in in the United States. Yep. We uh, were about to fucking clamp down on this bullshit, and 9-11 happened, and we went from starting to be really focused after Oklahoma City and some other things on domestic terrorism. We just shifted all attention to uh, external external Muslim terrorists. Right. And so these people have been allowed to... They took their everybody took their eye off them. They've been unchecked for a number of years now. So yeah, no shit, man. It's so true. God damn. So, um, is it? Does it feel um, low budget? A lot of that. A lot of those docs are. Yeah, I mean, and that that doesn't. That's not a factor for me. But I uh, just out of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, Netflix. Yeah, I think it was short over the. Shot over the course of probably a couple of years. So there's uh-huh. definitely, like, there's some commitment there. Yeah. Um, and they have insider access to both sides. Like, they f- they follow or they have oh. ac- get video footage of, like, actual events that become very contentious. That's so, great. Yeah. White Leith. It's well done. Welcome to Leith. Welcome to Leith. Sorry. Yeah. Welcome to Leith. L-E-I-T-H. Yeah. Yeah. On Netflix. Stream it. God damn, man. Nice digging. Where'd you find these? I don't know. Just like... Just popped up? Just kind of popping up. Yeah, you know. 
I, I watch my fair share of documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> the, the inferior when, when there When there isn't sci-fi to be had. Sci-fi movies to expand my mind. <laughs> I'll settle for a documentary. <laughs> How about you? What do you got over there? Um, let's see. What do I have? Um, I got, um, I got the new, um, let's see. There's been, uh, Rhino just re-released, um, for anybody that hasn't, um, doesn't have them, um, and has trouble finding them. Uh, Curtis Mayfield from the... The impressions, and then later Curtis Mayfield. Um, he had a, a enormously influential record label called Curtome Records, and um, they a number of years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, re-released all their stuff. So Curtis Mayfield's they they released all of um, Curtis Mayfield's solo records, and they re-released the Baby Huey Legend. Um, Record and those went fast and they were tough to get. Rhino just re-released all of that stuff again, so that is cool. You can snag all of those um, at your local record shop, and those are all must-haves. Like all those Curtis Mayfield records, like anything with him on it, you, you gotta have. And that Baby Huey record, he was another soul guy. Um, he died when he was he was enormous, and he died when he was like twenty six or 27 hmm. and that record his record it's the only one he had he died before it even came out like two days before the record came out wow um is unbelievable so um i just noticed those at the at treehouse the other day um and there's also uh, this other thing i just found um mississippi records which i know is like a totally like <laughs> nondescript name but um, they have a um, compilation of the Alan Lomax stuff. Mm. Um, Alan Lomax was a field recordist um, who went around the world um, recording indigenous music. And um, this compilation Mississippi Records did is um, of the – it's kind of a – I mean, he's this guy was enormously prolific. Like he has like just – fucking thousands of recordings. Um, and this one is all in America and it's killer. It's so good. Um, it's called, um, root hog or die. Hmm. It's a box set and it's cheap. It's like, there's like six records in there and you can get it for like 75 bucks. Wow. And it's a killer box set. It's got great liner notes. Um, and it's all, it's all of like the best of Alan Lomax's American recordings. And it's really good. I've got the anthology of American folk music. You do? Yeah. Oh, killer. Do, um, do you have it on vinyl or CD? CD? It was like a six CD box set, but with like this enormous booklet about I've the history of you know, who we recorded. And it's, it's interesting because it goes through like blues, bluegrass, folk. You know, it has like distinct sets of CDs that sort of chronicle. That's cool. A lot of the original American genres. Yeah. Um, that were sort of happening at similar times. Yeah, that's. I mean, I've been. I've, that guy is just like, yeah, amazing. I mean, what, what a cool. He's like an anthropologist, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this one's 
this compilation is cool because it um it's it's strung together as like a producer would kind of string together songs so they don't look at it chronologically or geographically mm-hmm. um it's kind of like like side a like record one side a is just like you know se- se- seven or eight tracks that like should fit together on the side of a record you know right so it's a good one and uh what else um what's i got going that's about it man i've just been I went on a spree i've been buying a bunch of records like the new pg harvey record is killer really yep um it's growing on me slowly it's not um as good as the last few but anything she touches for me is gold um but that one's that one's fuck man it's just so nice to see a fucking new record from her that's awesome yeah so yeah that's about all i got have you listened to the new radiohead i have yeah what do you think yeah i love it man i think it's great um i didn't get me along with i think most like radiohead fans you know the last record you know, I mean, OK Computer was kind of, for me, their last, like, stroke of genius. Oh, Kid A. Um, it's all about Kid A. Oh, Kid A is great. I, I love Kid A is great. Um, but for me, like, OK Computer, I think, was... The height? Uh, you know, um, it's up there. Um, but, yeah, Kid A is great. I mean... It, they're one of those bands that you look back in 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 a, another ten years or so, and you'll be like, Jesus, everything they did is fucking amazing. Yeah. But this record, this last record, um, is is killer, and I've only heard it. Um, where the fuck did I hear it? Because the record's not out yet. The the download is available. Right. But um, I forget where the fuck I listened to it. Um, cause I don't think it's streaming. I think someone was playing it at the office. Maybe. I don't know where the fuck I heard it, but I'm, I, I ordered it and I'm just waiting for it to come in the mail. Right. Um, but how about you? Do you like it? Um, I, I, I probably haven't listened to it enough yet to yeah. give it a, to give a definitive answer, which is why I was curious to know. Cause I figured you would have probably spun it a little more. Yeah. To be honest, I, 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 I'm probably letting reviews color my my perception of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember, I've, I've heard a few of the key tracks and, and I was, I don't know, you get invested in a record maybe in, for different reasons. And yep. it's hard to listen to anything in a vacuum, like in, in a B records, you know what I mean? Some yep. shit just misses and it doesn't work for you, but yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to get it. You know what I mean? Like I like to get it. Get like the and I can still get. I think you can still get like the good quality download. Um, because that's probably all. Actually, all they sell, right? Is the flack or a wave? Yep. For um, sure. But yeah, that's coming next week. Actually, I think it comes next Friday. Whatever the first Friday in June is, it comes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah. It was Next fun. time we'll pick a new debate topic. Yeah. Let's kind of uh, bring a new discussion to the table. That was good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you to Kaya. Thanks to Kaya Fisher for all of her audio engineering assistance and help. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Okay. See you, everybody. Bye.